This is the Tech EU podcast, where we discuss some of the most interesting stories from the European tech scene. Subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasting fix these days. On today's episode, Andre Degeler sits down with Molten Ventures partner Christoph Hornung. So my name is uh, Christoph Hornung. I'm a partner at Molten Ventures. We are a venture growth firm based here in London, which is publicly listed at the London Stock Exchange. So we're a FTSE 250 company, and we are mostly investing in startups from Series A to Series C. And sometimes we stay a partner until even an IPO. Great. And how about how about your own uh, focus? Do you have a personal thesis, let's say? So look, uh, I have a background in e-commerce. I initially started my career with Rocket Internet back in 2011. I helped uh, Rocket to build up the Zalando business model in Australia, which is called the Iconic. And then in 2012, I moved on to uh, Southeast Asia, where with Rocket together again, we founded a company called Lazada, which is basically an Amazon clone for Southeast Asia. And um, after that, I went back to Germany where I started to invest uh, predominantly again in e-commerce companies. Um, then I switched and became an entrepreneur myself for five years, um, mm. which was more in the data management space. Um, and then I joined Molten roughly two and a half years ago. And so uh, as I, as you can see from my journey, um, obviously I have a little bit of a, a consumer background, but I also worked a lot on marketplaces. And here uh, within Molten, I'm actually looking after all the German speaking activities of the firm. Right, yeah. This is this is really interesting. You have very interesting, very interesting background, I would say. So quite a bit of uh, different things. And uh, particularly about Rocket Internet, do you think that experience uh, helps you with the with the current line of work that you're in in the VC world? I understand it did help, of course, with the, uh, the rest of your entrepreneurial activities. But how about the VC? Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's obviously good to have some operational experience and and have been on to have been on the other side of the table. And at Rocket, you basically, um, when you when you start your career at Rocket, you learn a lot in a very short period of time. Um, you will given a lot of responsibility. You start to manage people. Uh, you look into quite a few different topics. Um, that's something you probably wouldn't be able to in most of the other jobs out there. So I think um, what I learned at Rocket and also especially on how to scale companies uh, is something that is really valuable also now in my job as an investor. Right. So uh, let's first uh, talk about uh, the markets that you're focusing on, and then we will also uh, hopefully spend a bit more time uh, talking about your view on the VC industry in general. So what uh, what is the uh, German-speaking uh, market uh, like right now? And is it actually like homogenous? Is it like one market? Can we look at it as one thing? Yeah, I think uh, when, when people refer to the German-speaking markets, obviously includes Switzerland and Austria as well. Mm -hmm. I think in particular, um, Vienna has been a very active and interesting space in the last couple of months. Um, Molten has also placed a bet in, in Vienna. We invested in a company called Mostly AI, uh, which mm -hmm. is basically synthesizing data predominantly for the insurance and, and financial service industry. Um, but to give it back to your question, obviously the German speaking market is one of the more advanced markets in, in Europe, right? So you have the UK, um, you have obviously the Nordics, you have France and you have Germany. Um, or the DAF region. And I think right now, just looking at activity and volume of investment that is flowing into the companies, 
Germany is certainly the number two in Europe um, after after the UK. And also with uh, a lot of investment coming in from, from the US into the German market, obviously mm-hmm. that that space has been a little bit less crowded in the past, but especially last year, it's been very crowded. This year, again, a different market environment. Hmm. Uh, some of the US funds are a little bit less active again. But overall, I think Germany is, is a very interesting space to, to invest. And what do you what do you see happening there? What do you think are the main uh, the main trends for you, at least from your position? Mm-hmm. So I think if we go five years back, um, there was there was a good ecosystem for seed investments. Um, I think in the last couple of years, there's there's been a very strong development also on the Series A side of things, where there's still mm-hmm. a little bit of a gap is when it comes to Series B, Series C uh, investment rounds. So this gap has been filled historically predominantly by US funds. Um, but with, uh, with Molten and our approach, we're also trying to actually um, create interesting uh, partnerships in, in, in the German-speaking market and offer capital to those companies who are reaching sort of the Series mm-hmm. B, Series C stage. So we call that venture growth. Um, and that's where we think is the most attractive place uh, to play in, in the German-speaking markets. And do you see a lot of demand uh, for uh, for this for this capital? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, when you look at how the, the German ecosystem has developed over the last over the last years, there's lots of uh, mature companies, lots of companies who have been around for three four years, who have now reached a certain revenue level or ARR level, and um, those companies obviously have benefited a lot from getting a seed investment and also a Series A investment from the national. Um, investors, but now when they sort of go beyond and they, they they go international, they also need a different type of investor, and so that's sort of when when we come uh, into the equation. Right, and how about how about companies themselves uh, on this market? At some point, I think the stereotype was that most of the companies in Germany are the likes of those incubated and started uh, at uh, Rocket Internet. So something with with very tight margins, requiring a very uh, high level of execution. So all sorts of uh, marketplaces, uh, delivery, that kind of thing. Is, has has it changed, or has it ever been true? In fact, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if it has been true. I think probably in 10 years back, probably it was true. Um, I think in the last couple of years, what you, what we see is a lot of second time, third time uh, serial entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, who have a lot of experience, who sometimes also already had a successful exit. So people with a lot of experience are now the ones who are actually running the, the successful startups in, in the German speaking market. And I guess the maturity of, of the leadership teams is also reflected in the quality of the the business models and also and obviously in the quality of the of the companies that we're seeing at the moment. So I think as with most ecosystems um, in the last couple of years when there were successful exits, more money was available, more talent that has been uh, educated in the last couple of years um, is, is, is taking on challenges. And so that's how we see um, also how the quality is, is increasing in the German speaking market. So very positive overall. Right. And uh, I uh, saw on your own page uh, on the Molten uh, website, and I know it uh, from our previous conversations, uh, that you are very interested in the sectors of uh, deep tech and uh, industrial tech. So uh, can you talk about those as well? What has been happening? Yeah, I mean, look, when you when you look at the German speaking markets, there's one thing that is very, that's very obvious. We have a lot of very well educated, strong engineering talent. But often mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a of a disconnect between um, 
alumni or graduates from from the top technical universities and and entrepreneurs. So I think what has happened and it's it's, it's still a work in progress is that now there are more options, more opportunities for those guys who are leaving those top universities, engineering uh, engineer um, schools. To, to start their own companies and, and make their dreams happen. And I think that's something that was very difficult um, in the last four or five years. Now it's, it's changing because A, more capital available, B, more funds who also really focus on, on deep tech um, from a mm -hmm. seed and, and Series A point of view. And I think thirdly, um, also the typical way for engineers was to go to, I don't know, BMW or Daimler or to go into uh, consulting, McKinsey, BCG, etc. Um, I think now there's really a third option, right, which didn't really mm -hmm. exist before. And I think a lot more people are brave and they just take the opportunity and, and, and try. And so when you look at the quality of the companies, when you look at the business ideas, when you look also at the the global um, the global potential of those ideas, um, there has been a significant change. And so, obviously, our job is also to encourage the, people, the young generation, the, the young engineers, to to start their own companies and and, and make their dreams happen. So, yes, we think um, deep tech and and especially in in the German speaking market is is a very good combination where we think there there will be lots of success cases. Uh, we recently invested in a few companies in that space as well, and and what we've seen is 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 really strong execution, um, but also um, a lot of a lot of ask for help um, because obviously those guys are usually in their early 30s late 20s mm -hmm. so they haven't taken companies into other markets and that's where they actually need need help they also obviously ask for help on on the sales side of things um hr augmentation so these are the typical the typical um topics we're discussing with our teams right and uh, so uh, I guess that with industrial tech, it's great to have startups solving certain problems in this uh, category. But on the other hand, you really need to have uh, the uh, corporates uh, who would be responsive uh, to to those um, to those offerings uh, coming from those startups and would be willing to implement them and work with those startups. Do you see this readiness on the market as well? Yeah, I think also there uh, a lot has happened in the last couple of years. So um, we can always ask for more. It's it's not perfect yet, but I think there's this clearly a strong awareness of what those young companies can bring to the table. Um, there's a lot of demand for innovation, um, also from the from the big companies. And when you look at how a Porsche or a Mercedes or or a BMW is actually working with with startups today, I think. This is very different to, to what we've seen five to ten years ago. So there's there's clearly progress. There's clearly a strong awareness that um, those young teams, those young companies, can add a lot of value to even the incumbents and and, and the big uh, large enterprise players. But I think it's it's still a little bit of a work in progress situation. I would call it. All right, right. And if we have to look at the dark side of the market, what what do you think is still wrong with the German-speaking markets in terms of the way that uh, startups there uh, are developing, growing, and maturing? What what is it still lacking? Mm -hmm. So I think the the beauty of the German market is it's actually a good market to get started. It's it's large mm -hmm. enough. Um, you have obviously a pretty strong. Um, level of income which is also uh, helpful at the beginning to actually start to sell your products but what is sometimes a bit missing at least what we see is is a lack of ambition to go beyond 
the, the German borders. And so that's something um, that is usually a more prominent topic when you reach Series A, Series B, Series C mm -hmm. stage, because then the German market becomes at some point too small and you actually need to go outside of the German speaking market. And that's usually when we also uh, team up with, with, with the founders to actually help them to go into the US, uh, to go into the UK, to go into France and other markets. And um, so that's, that's probably one issue that we still come across every once in a while. There's a little bit of a lack of of ambition or maybe it's not even a lack of ambition, it's more lack of experience on how to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's, to be honest, it's not so easy to hire your first VP sales in, in Northern America, right? So th there's quite a few challenges that all of a sudden um, you're, you're facing. And I think it's also normal that, that some people are taking a bit more time to, yeah, to adapt to those challenges and then also um, f try to find partner who can help them to, to solve those problems. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So uh, we're coming to another question, a uh, very uh, sort of in a smooth uh, segue. Uh, but I normally I talk to VCs uh, quite a bit, I guess, uh, because of my uh, line of work. But generally, I, I just realizing now that mostly it would be uh, people focusing on a pre-seed and seed and maybe series A stage. And you are already sort of behind the beyond that. And I understand pretty well what interests uh, early stage VCs, where they find the drive uh, how they uh, sort of make make these bets on these early stage startups so what what uh, what is interesting in it for you what's uh, what's uh, challenging in making the series b and up uh, investing so um obviously we're not only investing in series b and c but yeah, no, of course. predominantly in, in the german speaking market we go a little bit later so it's more the series b type of investments what i really like is that often those companies have already found the product market fit and now it's all about providing the company with more capital to then take those steps in going to the US, internationalizing, uh, hiring a few more people on the sales side that will then really give the company a boost on, on, on the revenue numbers. And so really this sort of scaling topic, I would call it, is, is what mm -hmm. we are after, right? Um, we would usually not invest if there, there is no clear uh, product market fit because then we think it's too early. But we really like to get involved when a company has found its product market fit and now it's all about deploying more capital to really scale the company from, let's say, 5 million AR to 20 million AR within the next 24 months. That's a challenge that we really like. And that's where I also think we can add a lot of value with the experiences um, our team has in, in, uh, within Molten. But also, I guess the price of uh, of a mistake is much higher in this case than on uh, earlier stages. And also at an earlier stage, again, it's uh, for me at least easier to understand that you look at the team, you look at the market, you look at the product, you uh, try to assess uh, whether this uh, product solves the right problem and so on. Uh, how do you assess whether a company is scalable uh, the way that you want it to be? Yeah, so obviously there's there's plenty of factors that we're looking at. Um, but you mentioned one thing that, that usually doesn't change. The team is always one of the mm -hmm. absolutely most important uh, factors to look at, right? So if the team doesn't work, then the idea can be great. The market opportunity can be great. It will still not fly. So team obviously is very important. But you're right. Um, I think when you are a seed investor, you probably invest a bit more um, bottom up while we look at the investments a bit more top down. So from, a, mm -hmm. from an exit potential as well. And um, that's, that's probably a significant difference on how we price companies as well. Um, another area that is really important for us is uh, unit economics. Uh, we do a court analysis, obviously, because we have a lot more data points than when the company is at a very early stage. So I think our, our 
work is probably a bit more data driven, is a bit more um, looking at the numbers. While at the beginning of a journey of a company, you're probably investing a bit more in, 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 in the vision and also the market opportunity. Yeah? But I think the main difference is when you're an early stage investor, you probably look at the company bottom up while we really look at it from a top down perspective. And we obviously also look at uh, public markets, um, how our companies with sort of similar models um, are trading at the moment. So these are input factors that are very relevant uh, at the stage when we get involved. And obviously you're right, when we make a mistake, usually um, the amount of money that has been invested is a lot higher. So yes, the, the mistakes are also a lot more painful. Yeah, I can imagine. But it seems like you uh, personally are uh, particularly efficient in uh, the way that you look at those numbers, like you assess the companies, because I have heard from your uh, colleagues uh, that uh, you or you have the highest numbers of deals closed per year at uh, at uh, at Molten. Uh, so uh, how so, like, is it something that you is it something that you're consciously trying to achieve and uh, like how many deals how many boards how many seats uh, what are your numbers yeah so yeah of course when you when you work in my job you have to be competitive um but i think having the highest number of investments is not necessarily um a quality stamp right so at the end of the day also those investments need to deliver returns and um and that's ultimately what you get what you get measured by um I think I got a bit lucky with the German speaking market because the German speaking mm -hmm. market offers a lot of opportunities. There's plenty of very interesting companies who are now reaching sort of the series B stage. And uh, that, that's obviously quite helpful when you're an investor that there's a lot of options that you can look at. And then um, the second piece is, I think, um, of course, it's important to to be active in, in, in the market and, and meet a lot of people and sort of do a lot of networking. I think that's something uh, I do a lot because it's helpful for me to also get like inputs and, and, and insights and into certain into certain markets. And sometimes that really helps you to also build the teasers a bit quicker than than just doing reading, right? So it's good to get feedback mm -hmm. from the market and, and talk to lots of the, the seed and series A investors um, who obviously are already invest in those companies. So there's a lot that you can learn. And I think that the third part for me is I usually don't get involved with companies where I don't think I can add any value or where I don't really feel like that I want to be part of that vision or that mission in this case. So usually I try to pick companies that I really like also in terms of what are they going after? How big is the opportunity? Do I like the, the people who run the, the company? So I think these are the things that are actually more important than just the numbers of, of deals that you're doing. Um, but to answer your question, yes, I'm, I'm sitting on, on eight boards and I've done nine investments uh, mm -hmm. in the last two and a half years. Um, so on average, I'm trying to, to make three to four investments a year. And that's sort of, I think, pretty much the, the average. But I guess at some point, like there is only so many boards one can sit on, there are yeah. so, so many companies and portfolio one can work with. So what happens when the saturation comes uh, in this regard? Yeah. So what we at Molten believe in is that we also want to bring in our more junior guys, so the associates mm -hmm. and the principals. They usually start with an observer role. Um, and once they've been with a company for one or two years, um, we will then also move them up into... into um, proper board members. And in that case, I would then step back and uh, a younger colleague of mine would then take the, the board seat. And so I can then focus on, on new investments. So that's sort of how we how we look at the world. Um, but again, there's a lot of timing that needs to be right. 
Um, sometimes there's yeah. there's uh, financing moments where you have to stay on a board for a bit longer. Sometimes financing moments happen earlier. So there, there's lots of factors that, that actually play into the equation here. And just out of curiosity, how does it work? Uh, does it mean that you have uh, uh, you have like one or two or three apprentices working with you, uh, sitting on the boards uh, with you, like always? Um, no, it's not. It's not exactly that structured. It's more like when we have an associate who's an expert on on marketplaces, then he mm -hmm. would be the right person um, to to join me on on that board. But often. Um, this associate or the, this principal would have worked with me on the deal already. So from day one, when we got to know the team until we made the investments and then sort of started on the on the, the work on the board level, usually that person was part of the deal team already. So um, we're basically very well known, both of us, to, to the team that we're working with. Well, it's a, it's a great way of uh, scaling, of course, but at the same time, uh, judging uh, by your LinkedIn profile, this is not what you have done yourself. You've never sort of raised uh, through uh, through the ranks uh, from uh, from associate level all the way to uh, partner level. So for you, it was more learning by doing, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's that's true. But on the other hand, I have 10 years, almost 10 years of exp uh, entrepreneurial experience, which I think in today's world is a bit more important <laughs> than it used to be. And so obviously... Um, yes, I joined uh, Molten as a director, which is sort of a, a junior partner role. Um, and then I made my investments. And so now in, in March, uh, I got promoted to partner. But you're right, mm -hmm. I didn't go through all the different analyst, associate and, um, and, and principal roles. Mm -hmm. But I have and 10 years of experience on the entrepreneurial operational side, which I think is, is probably um, also a very valuable skill in this world because you can obviously build a better understanding for founders in certain situations. Do you see founders appreciating uh, this kind of experience? I certainly think so, yes. Right. And uh, uh, you said before that you were also involved uh, in uh, hiring uh, the associates, obviously, at, uh, at the firm. So do you have any particular Mm, favorite questions uh, that uh, that you would ask them to judge uh, whether they would be good partner material. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a two questions. There's a there's a couple of questions I ask. One question is always, um, what have you done uh, in your life on the operational side of things? Because it's really important that when you talk to founders or when you talk to a CMO, that you understand what the other person is going through or what the other person mm -hmm. is actually talking about. So I think it's great to get training in, in, a, in, in BCG or in Goldman, but at the end of the day, what really matters is that you can actually connect with someone on the other side of the, of the table and, and then sort of understand what that person wants to tell you. Yeah? So that's, that's a bit more important than just, just being a number cruncher, so to say. So that's one thing. Then the other thing is, obviously, I always try to understand... Um, so venture capital right now is a very popular domain to work in. <laughs> uh, so lots of uh, lots of young people are interested in joining the firm. But ultimately, you really need to be interested in tech, right? You really need to have read a, lo a lot about the industry. You need to understand um, how to actually also price companies. So there's lots of things that you need to bring to the table. Usually, we don't really hire analysts. We usually start to hire associates with which have mm -hmm. six, seven, eight years of experience or who just come out of an MBA school. So those associates are not super inexperienced or super young people anymore. They are already like proper um, experienced guys who can actually help you from day one. And I think that's sort of what I'm also looking for. I look for people who have operation experience, people who have done maybe sort of a similar job and, and thirdly have a very strong passion for, for tech and, and investing. 
Are you looking at any sort of interpersonal, let's say, skills? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's super important. And especially uh, once you've been an entrepreneur and once you've built teams, uh, I think it's really important that you that you also get along with your teammates because ultimately we will spend a lot of long hours, long days uh, with each <laughs> other. So uh, it also must be fun or should be fun. And and, and obviously, if, if there's a strong disconnect between uh, team members, that, that doesn't really work in the long term. So yes, it's super yeah. important. Has it been working so far, this approach to hiring? Yeah, I think um, obviously we have now an investment team of almost 20 people and we have lots of uh, associates, um, young guys who joined us in the last two years. And I think it's it's, it's actually a pretty good mix, right? Um, so there's there's lots of dynamic in the team, uh, lots of interesting questions that, that are sort of coming up in discussions we're having. So yeah, I think it's it's, it's working well so far. And uh, uh, just a, a geographic uh, side of it. So you are investing in the German-speaking regions. Obviously, you're coming uh, from Germany yourself. You have uh, network and everything. But you are based in London. So how do you actually uh, how do you balance these? And also, do you look for uh, associates, for example? Do you look for them still in London, or do you look for people who either live or at least come from uh, the region that you focus on? Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. So I, I live here in London, and um, the entire team is here in London. Mm -hmm. It's not 100% true. We have an office in, in Dublin as well, where two of my colleagues are based. But um, the rest of the team is, is, is based here, and uh, we are usually operating the international markets out of London. What does it mean? It means that we go to those markets at least once or twice a month. Um, usually I go for three, four days, either to Berlin, to, to Munich, or to Vienna. And that's uh, where I then meet the founders and also colleagues from from um, early stage VCs, for example. And uh, that approach for us had wor has worked really well. And of course, if um, if we want to invest a certain volume in, in, in France or in Germany, we need to have people uh, who are usually coming from those markets, but they don't necessarily need to live there. Uh, I right. also think it wouldn't be a problem if someone wanted to stay in Berlin or in, in Paris. There's always, um, a, there's always a solution for for such situation if the person is, is contributing greatly to the team. So I think we're, we're flexible, but yes, at the moment, also a little bit driven by COVID, we're mostly London-based. Right, right. And uh, so to, to, to finish uh, to finish this off, I also wanted to ask, uh, let's say, a wider question, uh, mostly inspired by reading uh, some uh, Twitter threads uh, today from uh, uh, some other VCs. Uh, these are very uncertain times in uh, very many ways uh, from uh, the war that Russia is uh, waging in Ukraine and uh, to all the chain reactions uh, across the world, uh, including the financial uncertainty that's uh, very well there. How does a VC react to uh, this uh, kind of situation and how should one react and uh, how should not one react? Well, that, that could be even more important. Yeah, I, th I think we're trying to remain calm. We're trying to be um, thoughtful in the way we invest. Um, we're obviously a bit more careful in, in making huge bets at the moment. So I think mm -hmm. the appetite for extremely crazy ideas is, is a bit lower than it used to be maybe in 2021. Um, and I think overall, we're also looking at what is happening at the public markets. I mean, for us, obviously, we have a strong connection to the public markets ourselves because we're listed ourselves. Um, but obviously, when we look at, at investments, there's a very strong connection at the moment to the public markets. And that's, that's mm -hmm. obviously something that has also an impact on, on, on pricing. 
Um, so yes, I think you're totally right. It's there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. Um, so I think it's it's important to to stay cool, um, do your job properly, uh, do more analysis, and also maybe be a bit more focused on on areas where you really have deep uh, deep know-how and deep knowledge. And I think that's a little bit how we are sort of uh, trying to to get through the storm mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, but on the other side, you know, uh, last year was also to a certain extent a very opportunistic market. This year, I think it's a bit more structured, and uh, for ABC, it's also actually sometimes nice to take a bit more time to really do a proper analysis, and not being rushed into deals all the time, which was a little bit of situation last year. So this correction um, is is probably to a certain extent healthy. Um, on the other hand, obviously, no one wants to to live in uncertain times. Um, so it's 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 probably exactly that combination. But uh, do you feel that uh, companies of this size that you would be normally looking at, uh, do you feel that they are in, uh, let's say, in a more acute uh, need of uh, funding? Uh, is there more demand uh, for uh, funding of the level that you would be looking at? Yeah, I think that's that's certainly true. Um, just looking at my inbox um, and the the number of of, of uh, companies raising at the moment, um, also ex extremely well funded companies or companies with very strong um, tier one VCs who raised eighteen months ago. Um, yeah, that's that's certainly the situation. There's a lot of there's a lot of inbound at the moment, and I think yes, um, there's probably at the moment a bit more. Um, inbound than it used to be and obviously if you are known as someone who's still investing then that is also positive in this market and that's obviously our message right so we have done three investments in the last couple mm -hmm. of months we we are investing but we're just a bit more careful and thoughtful when we look at the investments than maybe we've been in 2021. And does this shift, you think, also have to do with uh, what you mentioned earlier, uh, that uh, the US investors interested in the market have become less uh, active uh, due to the whole uncertainty? Yeah, I think last year there were obviously some very active hedge funds uh, investing in seed and Series A rounds all of a sudden in, in, in Europe. And that's that's something that has gone away. We don't mm -hmm. see this anymore. But the likes of Insight and, and, and Bessemer and those guys, they're still around and they're excellent investors and they're also excellent investors for that stage, right? So they're still out there, but I think the, the frequency um, has slowed down a little bit and um, the hedge fund guys we see a lot less than, than last year, which is actually a nice thing for us because uh, last year it's been just very crowded and, and hectic in the market, also driven by, by those guys. Understood. Chris, thank you so much. Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk and uh, good luck uh, with everything you're doing in the uncertain times. Thank you so much, Andre. All the best. And that's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. If you liked our show, follow us today wherever you listen to podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Please send them to podcast at tech.eu, and they will most certainly be ignored. <laughs>